I'm Chanel Shaw. And I'm Katie Persia McGrady. And this is Ave Spotlight. This week on Ave Spotlight, we are chatting with Haley Stewart, author of The Grace of Enough, about liturgical living and preparing for the season of Advent. Haley, thanks so much for coming on Ave Spotlight. Thanks so much for having me. Um, So Chanel and I are really excited to talk to you because you are kind of the, I don't know, I feel like you're like a mom of Instagram that I am comforted when I see your posts because you're, you're one of, and I'm going to say this as a compliment, and I hope it comes off as a compliment, you're a normal mom. Like, mm. like you share the mess of family life, you share the really good things about family life, the struggles, uh, your husband distills whiskey, so that's really cool. Um, tell us a little bit about where you are and, and what you do and why I think you're so relatable. Why do you think you're so relatable? (laughs) Well, um, I'm in Waco, Texas. So I've got four kids. Youngest is two, oldest is 11. And yeah, my husband, Daniel, works at a distillery. He distills whiskey and blends whiskey and it's pretty cool. Um, And I'm a Catholic convert. So my husband and I converted after our oldest child was born and we'd already kind of intellectually gotten there. And then our baby was born and we were like, oh no we have to get him baptized. So we have to become Catholic like right now. (laughs) So that like launched us into the church. And one of the things that we were really excited about um, as we were learning about the faith was the liturgical year and kind of bringing that into the home and into your daily life and um, making it part of your days and weeks and months. So um, yeah, I, I do try on social media to be as honest as I can be about the difficulties of family life without invading the privacy of my children, mm. you know, like, cause especially after they get to a certain age, you can make jokes about how the baby's not sleeping and like, nobody's going to care, but you can't right. make jokes about like what the 11 year old is going through, <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> off limits. So yeah. trying to find the balance there that like there's joy in family life it's messy. It's hard without, um, sharing stories that don't just belong to me, I guess is my general, general attempt at least. Oh, I think you do a great job of it. What was it about Catholicism? Was it some of the liturgical year stuff that really, you know, was fascinating to you and Daniel when, when you were in that initial conversion? And then what does that look like now with four kids, with jobs, with homeschooling? How does that liturgical year kind of play out in your day-to-day life? Yeah. Well, um, liturgical, the liturgical year was definitely something that was attractive to us. I think, um, personally, I was drawn to the beauty of the church. So it's traditions. And, um, I, looking back now, I'm like, oh, I probably started this journey the first time I saw the sound of music when I was a little kid (laughs) I was like nuns are so cool look at this beautiful abbey like I think it like that was the beginning and then it was all it was all over eventually you know I was drawn in by the Von Trapps but um yeah for me it was definitely the beauty and traditions of the church that just seems too beautiful to not be true Mm. I think that's Mm. what kind of drew me and then in college I, a lot of my intellectual barriers to the church, like the my misconceptions about what the church taught were slowly broken down as I actually learned more about the faith. And then for my husband, 
he grew up Southern Baptist, was not interested in becoming Catholic. This was not on his radar. And then he was reading the early church fathers. We both were in our college classes and kept having more questions and kept reading things. And that kind of led us both down this path where my attraction to the church, I was able to dive in because my misconceptions had been taken away. And he was finally, like he had opened up to this idea of, oh, this is the fullness of truth. So what else am I gonna do? Even if this was not my plan, I don't even know if I wanna do this. Here it is, here's the truth, so I'm diving in. That was kind of where we were. Um, and then one of the first things we did after, when we were just in RCIA, was trying to bring the liturgical year that we found to be so beautiful into the home. Like how do we eat according to the liturgical year and celebrate according to the year? And it was, for us, I think it was a kind of catechesis where we were mm -hmm. learning about the faith by walking through the year, learning the saints, learning the different holy days. Um, and so now, I think that is a huge, a huge piece of the catechesis that we try to do with our kids in the home. Like today, we're recording today on All Souls Day. And while I, I did some writing projects this morning, my husband goes to the distillery at noon. So he does a lot of homeschooling in the morning. And so he packed everybody up and they went to the cemetery to go pray. That was like their, our morning activity. Oh, wow. And so just bringing these things into our days and reminding, um, hey, we're going to go pray at the cemetery. It's because it's All Souls Day and because we're praying for the souls in purgatory. And, you know, what does that mean? What happens after you die? Just starting these conversations, they come up so naturally and kids are so curious. They have so many questions. And so it just naturally opens up this dialogue about what the church teaches and the beauty of the faith and the traditions of the faith and the saints in such a natural way. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Like, so liturgical living is so beautiful. What kind of encouragement though, would you give people that are trying to jump into it? Yeah. Okay. The big thing that I think happens to most people who are like, I'm really interested in this. I want to start doing liturgical living and diving into the Christian year is you immediately get really overwhelmed. Yes. Because mm -hmm. there are multiple saints that the church celebrates on every single day of the year. There's <laughs> holy day. Like if it was your full-time job, if you were like, my life is dedicated to feasting the saints, mm -hmm. you still couldn't do it. If you cleared your calendar, because there's just, there's too many saints, there's too many things. And so I think it's easy to feel overwhelmed and feel like, oh gosh, well, if I can't like celebrate one saint every single day and do all these liturgical crafts for every like holy day of obligation, I want to teach my children what it's all about, then it's just not worth it. Like I might, I'm just paralyzed by <laughs> the perfection. Like, and I think that we have this sense in our heads that there's like this checklist that Catholic families have to check off in order to be like real liturgical livers. Like you've <laughs> got to do this and this and this. And that just doesn't exist. You know, there's mm -hmm. no, there's no perfect Catholic family, perfect liturgical family that you have to compare yourself to. This isn't a real thing. There's no Vatican checklist. It's just really diving in and trying to orient time mm -hmm. by how the church counts time. 
And so just kind of reorienting from the Hallmark calendar, the American calendar and orienting towards the liturgical year. And so that can look really different. And I think that um, that can feel overwhelming to kind of get through that transition of how is this gonna look in our family? Mm-hmm. What does our family like to do? How do we like to celebrate? Are we crafty or are we bookish or, you know, what is our deal? What's the best way to honor the liturgical year and to pass it on to our children? And so I think just getting through that transition is the tricky thing. So my advice would just be give yourself the grace to learn about the Christian year and the time to figure out what is this going to look like for our family? Mm-hmm. And I think one easy way to do that is maybe just pick one saint for every month that you want to celebrate in some way, or we're going to watch a little movie about them, or we're going to have a special meal. And um, you know, my husband's really creative with cooking, so he likes to come up with a meal that's you know from the region that this saint is from, and he loves cooking and looking at recipes and things. But that's not everybody. Everybody doesn't love to do that. So even if it's just today is the same day that we're celebrating this month. So we're having ice cream because that's celebratory. Like oh my that's gosh. Allowed, you know? I am, I am yeah. into that kind of liturgical <laughs> living. Okay. Um, so just kind of having that grace that this is um, the liturgical year is a gift that the church is giving us. It's not a checklist or more obligations or more stress in our lives. It's supposed to be something to delight and learn. Yeah. Well, in the next big season that's kind of coming at us is Advent. Um, What are some things that you would maybe, what are y'all looking forward to, especially since the pandemic has maybe changed the way we do things or, you know, masses are still kind of at a restricted amount of people that can be there. So what are some things y'all are preparing to do, Haley, for Advent and the liturgical living and the Stewart House then? Yeah. So I'm going to confess something. I used to be a big like Advent Grinch. Like it's Advent, no Christmas stuff until Christmas. Like I was very like no Christmas music, get it out until (laughs) December 25th. It's forbidden. Um, And I've kind of loosened up over the years and if there is a year to loosen up, yeah. it is it's now, yeah. you know, like it is the time is now. Um, so I think we will probably do some traditions that are pretty similar to what we've done in the past, but maybe give ourselves a little more leeway to enjoy some Christmas movies and some Christmas music and that sort of thing ahead of time. So what we usually do um, is at the beginning, the first Sunday of Advent, we'll go and get our Christmas tree as Mm. a family, but then we just put the white lights on it. Mm. So we don't decorate the tree until um, much later, like right before Christmas, and then we'll put all the decorations on. But I like doing that because it's festive and I like waking up in the morning and turning on the lights and thinking like, oh, Jesus, the light of the world is coming. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a symbol that's reminding me what we're waiting for. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not all decorated yet because it's not Christmas, but like, this is the hope and expectation and Mm -hmm. it started, you know? Um, So I really like doing that. And then one thing that we've come to appreciate over the years is how much great Advent music there is that sometimes we kind of conflate Advent music and Christmas music. And so when someone says no Christmas music till Christmas, you forget that, oh, actually there's tons of music we can listen to. Um, you know, some of 
the Christmas quote unquote songs that we're used to like O Come O Come O Manuel, that's an Advent song. You know, there's so much to enjoy. So usually what we try to do is we have a few albums of just Advent music that we like dive into and we wanna like soak in that before we move on. And lately, this year, we will definitely be listening to Christmas music before <laughs> Christmas. But like just to enjoy, have some space for that beautiful, haunting, mm -hmm. hopeful music of expectation, I think is, is something you don't want to skip, you mm -hmm. know, like jump into Christmas whenever you need to, even if it is right now. <laughs> November the 1st, yes. our tree was up. That yeah. is loud. But like, don't forget about Advent music, that we yeah. have beautiful stuff that is specific to this um, season. And then we also like to read one of our either Advent or Christmassy books each day, like children's books leading up to Christmas. Um, that's a lot of fun. And of course we do our Advent candles and our Advent wreath, which like the kids will never let us not do that because they love it. <laughs> right. It's so funny. Like there's the simplest things are so special to kids. Mm -hmm. So something like every night we're going to light a candle and sing a little Advent hymn. They're just like, yes, this is the best. <laughs> I'm so excited. Do they fight over who gets to blow the candle out? Cause that was oh, the battle yeah. oh, in yeah. our house. <laughs> like oh, if yeah. I didn't get to blow it out, it was like, Jesus doesn't love me as much as he loves my sister. <laughs> so eventually, even as like Young, I don't say young adults, but I was in high school. She was in middle school. My mom got two Advent wreaths, so we didn't have to oh fight. Oh my goodness! And we were we were grown children, and it was still a battle. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't know if my kids will ever get over arguing about who gets to lead what decade of the rosary. <laughs> it's like certain Catholic ones problems. are like prime real estate, and they're like, "No, I'm doing the crucifixion. No, I'm doing it." You know, it's like this is not the point. <laughs> All of that is so encouraging because again, like just like you said at the beginning, you kind of find your family's charism and what works. Last year we made, um, we made, it's just like the beeswax sheets and you roll it around the wick. But it was so, like Rose was, she's two and a half. She was fascinated by it. So I already ordered our kit to get to do it this year. Um, my sister lives in Washington, D.C. She's a, a PhD student and she got the kit too. And so she's going to do it with some of her friends, you know, COVID friendly, the people that she's kind of been quarantining with so that like they're still kind of doing some little Adventy activities to help refocus themselves. Um, that's, that's just such encouraging, very real things that you've given us to do, Haley. We always end our show with a question. I forgot to warn you at the beginning. So if you need a second to think, we'll start with Chanel. But we always ask, what's a reason for your hope um, in the coming week, maybe for the, the coming weeks, you know, parentheses with the S. Um, so what's, what's a reason for your hope today? Who's going first? I can go first and give me some time to pray on it. Um, okay. So the reason for my hope is um, not the most spiritual, but maybe to me, I feel a spiritual connection to the show, The Office. And um, yes, I, I very much, I very much um, decided that I'm going to start rewatching it. So um, my hope for um, this week is that I will get work done amongst rewatching that show um, and just be able to throw my heart into, you know, the joy of, um, of, you know, great TV. So that's yes. mine. Can I ask, are you doing a, 
Are you doing a proper watch, like from season one through, or are you doing thematic watching? Because thematic doing, watching is a lot of fun. I know, I know. I was going to do thematic watching, but I'm going to start with season one through. Season one, though, just is a lot. So yeah, it's I don't, cringy. <laughs> yeah. It's cringy, so I don't know. We'll see if I make it. I don't know. That's a just good one. Morning, I like that one. I hey, showed Lou. my kids um, the when Andy is trying to remember the Kit Kat bar. <laughs> yes. He's like, take me off a piece of that applesauce. We were having applesauce. Fancy just, feast. They're just like, they keep singing it all day. It's oh, so gosh. Like, Jim is like, yeah. Age-appropriate <laughs> office snippet that you're allowed to watch. Yes, I love um, it. Well, I am definitely looking forward to some good TV. The Crown's coming out yes. in a few weeks. Season four, excited about that. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about hope, like the the virtue of hope, what does that mean? And kind of how in the past I've thought of it as like finding the best in everything or like being optimistic or kind of being a Pollyanna. Well, I'm hopeful. I'm a hopeful kind of person, you know, and, and missing the point that like this is ordered towards heaven and it's ordered towards, you know, we can have little hopes for different things in our life, but our hope is Jesus. And so it's ordered towards something very big that transcends all of the struggles that we're going through in life. And I just reread, I'll be really quick, but I just reread Space Alvi by Pope Benedict XVI. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about St. Josephine Bakita as a symbol of hope, how when she encounters Christ, she has this new identity that then like motivates and moves her to stand up for herself as a child of God and to seek this new life out of enslavement, you know, where she is serving him as a religious sister. And I just love that hope is a call to action. You know, when we have met Christ our hope, then it, he turns us towards action and participation in his redemption of the world. Um, so I just love that thought of hope is active, that hope propels us forward. So I've been thinking about that as we enter the hopeful season of Advent. Yeah. It's a good one. I don't, mine's lame in comparison to that. <laughs> I, uh, my hope is, so Rose is in pre-K now. Um, finally, like they've on a consistent schedule. She's loving it. Things are going well. She's staying on green and the little you know, behavior chart <laughs> in the classroom. And she's doing really great with that. But this week is the celebration of the school's patronal feast. Um, and so they're doing this huge, uh, almost like field games for the kids and it's her first one and it just I'm just really excited and I'm hopeful uh that she's it's kind of liturgical living right this is the saints feast day they celebrate it as a school community and I'm, I'm hopeful that she sees the goodness of that and she has a lot of fun with that that all the families COVID friendly of course get to participate in different ways and so it's going to be a it's going to be a fun week at St. Margaret's. I love that. So Haley where can we follow you and find more about you and buy your book from Ave Maria Press? Sure. So um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Haley Carrots over there. And my podcast is called Fountains of Carrots. You can find it at fountainsofcarrots.com or you can head over to my blog, which is a little neglected these days, but it's <laughs> carrotsformicklemas.com, which is spelled like the name Michael, M-A-S. Um, so that's where you can find me. And we'll have that down in the show notes. Thanks for joining us, Haley. Thanks so much for having me. You can find out more about Haley with the links down on our show notes. You can also grab a copy of her book, The Grace of Enough, from AveMariaPress.com. 
Ave Spotlight is part of Ave Maria Press's ministry with podcasts, including Ave Explores, a long-form interview podcast. You can find all of the episodes of both shows, but especially of this one, Ave Spotlight, over at AveMariaPress.com, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. The show is still fairly new, so we'd be grateful if you'd share it with friends and give it a five-star review so that more people can find the show and begin listening to it. In upcoming episodes, we interview a priest, we chat with a few more authors from Ave Maria Press, and we learn a little bit about a feast that is hugely important in the life of the American Catholic Church. So continue to listen and continue to join us week after week for these quick little interviews that hopefully give you a snapshot into what a Catholic life looks like and is how it's lived day by day. Thanks so much for listening this week. We'll see you next Monday.